In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. There is a place a little outside Jericho in Israel, some 15 or 16 miles east of Jerusalem. It's out there that the ancient Christians thought was the place that Jesus had gone for his 40 days of temptation. How I wish I could take you there. We would see in the, the ravines, in the walls of the ravines, the caves that started getting carved out in the first century so that people, um, monks, uh, ones who would go to live alone, and pray where they would live and pattern their lives after these 40 days of temptation and, and prayer. I wish I could take you with me and then ask you to imagine the scene, the, hear the sounds, smell the smells, feel the wind or not the wind, experience a few moments of the, the dryness of the, of the air and the heat of the sun, and ask you to imagine it through Luke's eyes. You see, Luke has told us a little while ago of Jesus' baptism and how the Father had named him as his own son, and then Luke does a really interesting thing. He inserts Jesus' genealogy and he works back from contemporary time to Adam's time. And before sending him into the wilderness, Luke names him son of Adam, son of God. Now, it's... It's also a really wonderful thing that it is Luke's friend and traveling companion, Paul, author of today's epistle, although in another epistle, calls Jesus the second Adam, the last man. And what we are supposed to do, I'm quite sure, in Luke's story of Jesus' temptation is to imagine him out there in the wilderness being tempted in place of Adam and Eve who faced a threefold temptation in a lush, beautiful garden. Jesus, surrounded with every reason to listen to the hiss of the serpent, while Adam and Eve had every reason to ignore them. Adam and Eve had to face three questions. Did God really say don't eat? Second, can we maybe go it without God and achieve God-like status on our own? And third, hey, look at us. We're young, we're healthy. With the world open to us, could we possibly actually really die? Probably not. 
Did God really say, don't eat? Can we maybe go in without God and achieve God-like status? And really, come on, look at us. We're going to die? Not hardly. What Jesus faced was the same set of questions and answered them better. Do his appetites define who he is? Listen, after 40 days, he was hungry. I, I'm delirious if I go a day without eating. 40 days, 40 days. How do you hang on to the words, you're my son? How do I remember the voice that I'd heard at my baptism? Or could Jesus end his hunger right now and in doing so exercise the kind of power that would enable him to feed every hungry child in Israel and in the world for that matter, then and for all time? Or, or is bread alone not enough? Is there more to us than ingestion, digestion, and elimination? Is who I am more about whose I am? Adam and Eve answered poorly. Jesus would answer well. Luke says the devil let him envision in a single moment, it's a really lovely phrase, in a single moment, in the blink of an eye, all the pomp of the then known world. Imagine his capacity to see himself in Rome, to see himself in Alexandria, to see himself head of Persia, to see himself head of India. It's all mine. Could it all belong to Jesus at the simple cost of saying no to the path of suffering and yes to a mere bowing of the knee here and now? Adam and Eve answered poorly. Jesus would answer well. Third, now says Mr. Devil, Go to the religious capital of the world. Go to the highest point, hundreds of feet above the crowds on the streets below. You want them to be followers of your way? No better way than to show them God's favor toward you. One dramatic demonstration of your bona fides. Jump! Then let them see God rescue you. Then you can command their hearts. Then they will listen and they will follow. You can teach them to be followers of your way. And you and they can make God's dream come true. God's plan for human flourishing. God's kingdom come to earth. 
Adam and Eve answered that kind of question badly. Jesus would answer it well. So how did Jesus handle it? First, here, here in the wilderness, Jesus learns. As he will say to his disciples in John chapter 4, verses 32 and 34, weary and hungry and thirsty though he was, I have food to eat of which you do not know. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Reckoning himself God's true son and deciding to be the faithful son that Adam was not, in obedience, Jesus would be able to multiply loaves of bread. In obedience, Jesus himself could become bread for the world, bread from heaven, providing for us the lost sons of Adam and the lost and famished daughters of Eve, a meal that would last. Second, Jesus, Jesus would, in fact, receive all the authority and all the glory of all the kingdoms of the world and more. His destiny was indeed to be king of kings and lord of lords. He would inherit the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and confess him as Lord. As Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, Bowing the knee will be, of course, even the devil himself, only an abject horror at his final destruction and the end of all evil, as John prophesies in the book of Revelation. But the root to this authority and this glory was Jesus' submission to his heavenly Father, not listening to the lies of the deceiver. And third, far from performing some daredevil trick to prove, to prove his indestructibility or to prove heaven's favor, Jesus would give himself over to those under the terrible sway of this very devil. In fact, in Luke chapter 22, verse 3, Luke hints at the demonic forces behind Jesus' arrest, trial, and sufferings. Yeah, the opportune moment came that was looked forward to at the end of today's passage, and the devil thought he won. He would give himself, he, Jesus, would give himself over to those under the terrible sway of this very devil. He would let them mock and beat him, scourge and flay him, crown him with cruel thorns, nail his hands and feet to the hard wood of a criminal's cross, refusing the aid of the army of angels at his beck and call, all the while entrusting his heavenly Father 
to do a miracle far greater than preserving him from death if he had jumped and let the army of angels catch him before he fell. A greater miracle than that, a greater act of faith was his entrusting himself to his enemy's hands, suffering the worst they could offer so that his heavenly Father would raise him out, out of death, so that sin's curse would be broken, so that lost sons of Adam and lost daughters of Eve could find their way home into not just a garden, but a garden in the midst of a beautiful new city, the new heavens and a new earth, where death itself would die. So that you and I and the very tormentors whose forgiveness Jesus pleaded for from the cross would live forever. So that God's dream would be planted more deeply in people's hearts than a mere miracle worker and pied piper and great teacher and dispenser of wisdom could ever have done. So I leave you and myself with three questions. Are you wrestling with some desire that is defining you? May I, today's applications are, um, they seem almost silly in their application. Almost silly in the simplicity of their application. May I commend to you this portion of the prayer that our Lord would go on to teach and which we will say at this table that celebrates a meal that will make us never hungry again. Give us this day our daily bread. The Greek word here is a really interesting one. It's not a normal one for, you know, just your, you know, your bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich for lunch. It's, it's a word that, it's, a, it, it's a really a unique word that suggested to the ancient church that bread that I need to sustain me in life. Just as God provided manna and quail in the desert so that people could have sustenance on the journey. God provides that meal so that I can get through this day and through this next week. If you're wrestling with some desire that is defining you, may I ask you to hunger anew for God's daily provision and for this to be a new and fresh provision. Second. Are you tempted to try to go it alone or to worship outright something or someone not worthy of your worship where the authority and glory you seek will eventually prove to be fool's gold, a lie? May I commend to you this portion of our Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And third, do you, and if you're like me, you probably do, do you find yourself making demands or putting expectations on God that he hasn't met 
and that leave you disappointed? I once knew a high school kid that was part of a home for dependent, neglected kids that Sherry and I worked in for a while, who said one Christmas he asked for something. I don't remember what it was, a truck or something. And he didn't get the truck. So he was done with God. You know, am I demanding the truck for Christmas and not getting it and going like, God, I'm done with you? Or maybe there's a more profound loss. This kid's deeper loss, which he didn't even know how to articulate, was that his parents had turned him out. And that's why he was at, at this place. Oh, how I, how I wish, how I longed for his knowing a, another lesson from his earthly parents' rejection of him, how he might have found himself in the arms of a friend who would be there with him. Maybe you've known a more profound loss than just the truck that didn't show up at Christmas. Maybe the loss of a mate or never having gotten a mate, at least yet. The loss of a parent, a child, financial ruin, health that is going the wrong way. May I commend to you this line from the prayer our Savior taught. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. In fact, deliver us into your tender care that we may graciously and thankfully take our share, even here in the midst of the frustration and the failed expectations, even here may we take our share in the power of your resurrection and know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. May this Lent be a rich journey for you, a journey that finds Jesus along your side in whatever wilderness, whatever temptation you face, that it may be a journey to Jerusalem, to your share in his death and his resurrection. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.